Welcome to the Life of Christ series for term one. Uh, we're up to lesson five now. now. Let me just start in Luke chapter five, verse 18. I'm on page 26. It's a page before the one that we finished off in. Uh, so we don't go too far back. Uh, so it says there in verse 18, Then behold, men, there was four men, Mark says, brought or carried on a bed a man who was paralyzed or paralytic, Matthew says, whom they sought and tried to bring in and lay before him. That's Jesus. Yeah. Verse 19, And when they could not find how, or literally by what way, they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop, all right, they uncovered the roof where uh, he, that was Jesus, uh, says Mark, and when they had broken through, they let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So they, they did a good job of working out where Jesus actually was so they could lower him to that spot. Now we looked at all the, we looked at some things about these friends. Uh, I think uh, I, I shared with you that some of, somebody nicknamed these friends as sympathy, cooperation, originality, and persistence. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, and said that we should each strive to be a friend who displays these qualities. Amen? Uh, to those around us. Now what I want to do is um, get to Matthew's Gospel, because we left off at that verse. We were going to look at the latter half of verse 2 in Matthew chapter 9. Remember that more than one Gospel, as you can see in Luke's account, like when we were looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, notice how I've got Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 9 there, uh, in brackets. Can you see that in the verse itself? All right, which tells you that this is covered by all three of the Gospels. All right, the three, what we call synoptic Gospels. So what we'll be doing is bouncing over to Matthew's account, because Matthew now has some detail that uh, Luke doesn't have. So we're going to now turn over to page 28, because <clears throat> I really want to talk about this today, and continue on exactly from where we left off, and that is in Matthew chapter 9, and the latter half of verse 2, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, all right, now this is identical to Mark, Son or man, be, be of good cheer, or take courage, your sins are forgiven you. Now this was a huge statement to make, all right, because Jesus didn't say, you're healed, he did something that is going to upset all the religious leaders there because of the implication that's behind it. Okay, so we're going to start looking at this one piece at a time. First of all, it's interesting to note that neither the man nor his friends ever uttered a word to Jesus. You know, it's interesting. They didn't say, hey Jesus, our friend needs help. And let us give you a list of the things that are wrong with him. I want you to notice nothing was said. Jesus looks up. He sees what's going on. It's very interesting. And it says when Jesus saw their faith, He said. Interesting, isn't it? They didn't say anything. He just looked. He knew. And He, 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 he dealt with it. Now, uh, before I jump ahead here. So, so notice again that it says that Jesus saw their faith. Meaning that the faith of all five were acknowledged by Him. That is the faith of the paralytic and his friends to get to Jesus by whatever means necessary. And their collective faith that Jesus would forgive and heal. Isn't that interesting? So there are three different things there. Okay? So we know that the paralytic himself had faith. 
All right? Because Jesus saw their faith. Everybody's faith was on display there. And I also want you to notice that the, the faith of the four friends to get to Jesus by whatever... So, you know, this paralytic had faith in his friends that they wouldn't give up. I mean, there's you know, one thing that you, know, you will do everything to get to Jesus. It's another thing if you've got four people carrying you. You know, how vested are they in you? You know, you get to... Uh, what usually happens with normal friends? They kind of go, oh, this is getting too hard. You know, maybe... Can we deal with some maybes? Maybe this is God's way of saying no. Maybe the door is closed. Because look how hard it is for us to get through. Would be today's religious mind. Seriously, okay? How many times have we said that when we ran into some trouble? Now, you know, it's one thing when if God is trying to stop us, all right? And there's, there is that as well. God has done things to stop me from doing some dumb things, okay? But this wasn't a dumb thing. This was compassion. This was people are trying to get their friend to Jesus with the, with the faith that if they can just get him to Jesus... He'll be healed. We won't have this problem anymore. Obviously, they're very good friends. Amen? And, and, you know, as much as these four friends are carrying this man physically, I'm going to ask you a question. How willing are you to carry somebody that is a friend of yours to the throne room in prayer? Or don't we have time? Okay. <laughs> You know, so much of the time, we, you know, God asks us to carry the burdens of others to Him. Because, you know, when, when you are going through something, it is very difficult for you to handle the things that you are going through at the time and, and walk in faith. Can I just get an honest amen? All right, I mean, there are times, that I, I don't care how awesome you think you are, there are days, <laughs> okay, when you just go, you know what, forget it. It's just getting too hard. And the devil makes... Make sure that you don't find time to pray. Because you're so caught up in the problem, you kind of forget that maybe working smarter, not harder, means going to the throne room. Means saying, you know what, stop. I'm just going to stop right here. I could spend another three hours and not get anywhere, or I could spend 20 minutes and get, and get somewhere. Amen. All right. And remember again, you don't need some religious spot to go to the throne room. You know, just walk out into a hallway. Somewhere there's a little bit of quiet or just anywhere. Just walk out for a minute. Just say, I need to, if you need to go to the throne, to go to the throne room. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> Generally, people don't follow in there. Okay, because <laughs> they get arrested. Anyway, so yeah, whatever you need to do to find a little peace where you can just go to God and say, I need help. Amen? Anyway. Alright, things to... Alright. Moving on. Moving on. More than anything else though, William Hendrickson says, The confidence of the five touched the very heart of Jesus, who now, in accents tender yet firm, said to the paralytic man, Take courage, your sins are forgiven you. Now, first of all, the phrase, take courage, is a word of encouragement by Jesus. Before he goes on to say, in the original text, now listen to this, not your sins are forgiven you, but forgiven are your sins. Placing all the emphasis on God's loving forgiveness. So in the original text, Jesus actually said, forgiven are your sins. 
the first thing that came out of his mouth was forgiven. Because that was what the man was looking for. Amen? You know, today in, <laughs> in, you know, in, in the English language, we go, and the winner is... And everybody... <gasps> okay? In their language, they would have said, Susan is the winner. We wouldn't do the winner is and wait and go to a commercial break and come back and everything. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Dude. So you need to understand this man was waiting to hear that one word, I'm forgiven, because he obviously knew that he did something that caused this problem and he needed God's forgiveness before he could receive his healing. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus knew that was important. See, today people come up and they ask for prayer, and you know, generally we pray for healing. You know, but wouldn't it be interesting if they came up to you for prayer for healing and you sensed in your spirit this isn't a healing as much as a forgiveness that's needed before the healing can actually come through. And you said to them, you know what, before I pray for your healing, I need you to know that God has forgiven you. Wow. Because sometimes... You know, we are trying to get at something and something else is getting in the way and we don't know what. And, you know, they're saying, well, maybe there was enough faith and maybe, there, you know, you can go through the whole list. Maybe they aren't believing. Maybe you aren't believing. Maybe the stars aren't aligned. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but maybe it's simpler than that. Maybe something else needs to be taken care of. Amen. Listen out for things like that when God talks to you. All right. Getting back to this. Leon Morris says that these words must have astounded everybody. Sins is a comprehensive term, including all the man's departures from the way of righteousness. In fact, William Hendrickson points out that sin unforgiven is Satan's best friend. Now, and man's chief enemy. L let me just stop here for a minute. We need to understand this. First of all, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, which means he's saying, everything you have done is forgiven. This is what's going to upset the Pharisees so much that he did something that we're going to find out that they're going to say only God can forgive sins. Who, you know, what gives you the right to forgive? Because our sins, and we need to understand this, and we need to look at this, our sins ultimately are against God. Ultimately. Okay. Um, and you need to... Let me deal with this for a minute. The thing is, we need to understand why our sins are ultimately against God. Okay? It's not because... And we're actually dealing with this on Sunday. Okay? For those that are you know, either coming on Sunday or, or catching up on YouTube. It's really important for us to understand that God made us a certain way. Do you understand? So, you know, it's, let's say you are building a computer. I, I, for those that are not technical, I won't get technical. All right, let's say you're building a computer. And it was to work a certain way. It was to work off a certain power source, okay, um, in a certain country. You all know that some countries use AC and the other ones use DC. That's not the name of a band. Okay, <laughs> all right, okay. All right, so you, you know that if you're stuck in the AC appliance into a DC socket... Or the other way around. It's not a good thing. You all know that? Okay, just so you know. Alright, so, so, what sin is, is exactly that. It's taking something that was meant to run on AC and sticking it into a DC socket. Now, our resilience is such that 
we'll work through that, but we're going to have problems. Can I get an amen on that? Because now stuff is happening that on the inside of us that shouldn't be happening. And it's starting to cause things on the inside of us to start to malfunction. Can I say that? Okay? Programs that God wrote into us that were meant to work now are not going so well. They're, they're kind of falling by the wayside and, and they're struggling all the time and because the current isn't right. Are you all with me? So... What the way we would say, you know what we say? You know, that's bad for that computer. Don't plug this computer into that socket. Do you know how the Bible says it's a sin to plug this computer into that socket? Do you get it? That's what we need to understand. See, we look at sin with such a religious connotation on it that we miss the heart of it. God doesn't care what socket you stuck things in. The thing is that if it's a bad thing, if it's going to destroy you, then He's concerned. Then He's going to say, don't do that. And the little computer says, oh, you're just you know, trying to take my fun away from me. No, stupid, I'm trying to stop you from dying. Because after a while, the computer will just die. It can only manage so much. And the end result of sin is death, James tells us. Do you get it now? Do you understand why now? Because, we're, see, righteousness and holiness is all about doing the right thing that will benefit you, that will keep you well and happy. And all your little programs working. Amen. So we need to do something, it works. It's not going, ah, we're struggling. You think, well, the program is good. Yeah, but you stuck it in the wrong power source. This is not working for me. Unless you pirated a program, then there's a whole other thing going on there. But, <laughs> okay, there's a virus gets in, okay? And that gets, that, that's a problem too. Amen. Okay, all right. So I want you to understand that, you know, when God talks about sin, I just need you to understand, don't get religious on it. You need to understand the simplicity of it, because if you get too religious on it, then the, 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 I'll guarantee you almost, you'll want to rebel. Because they said, I can't, I'm going to go do it. Meh. Because that's how we are. Hello. However, regardless of the attitude in which they said it to you, if what they said was right, don't do it because they told you. Do it because you've gained some information and some knowledge now. And it's like, oh, that's why it's wrecking me. That's actually wrecking me. That's causing me a problem. So I'm actually helping myself when I don't do that. Get it? Okay. Now, that's just a quick side street on sin. I just need you to understand, because when we talk about sins, you need to understand that whatever sins that this man committed, it was exactly that. It was a departure from what was good for him, and it caused problems in his life. And so Jesus is saying, all the stuff that you've done wrong, okay, which is why these sins are against God, because He's the Creator. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created, Colossians, by Him and for Him. This is the part of God that created it all. See, He told them that He was God. This is one of the... People say, Jesus never said He was God. Read the stuff, man. He, he said so many things that you can't not but get that one thing that... I think this is God in our midst. Amen? So if people ever tell you, you know, Jesus never said he was God. Uh, yes, he did. You weren't paying attention. Back to this. 
So Leon Morris again says here, these words must have astounded everybody. Sins is a comprehensive term including all the man's departures from the way of righteousness. Okay, And this is why I went on to read the next bit which William Hendrickson says, sin unforgiven is Satan's best friend. You see, when you begin to understand now what sin is, now you understand why it's Satan's best friend. Because he is out to destroy you. One way or the other. Now what he has to do is entice you to do the wrong thing. Because he can't make you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, if you are, if you are born again, you're saved, you're a new creation in Christ. Then you're the one that has to do it. Because he can't, he can't force and make you do anything. You've got angelic protection. You've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We're going to see as we go through the um, epistles of John, uh, how amazing, how much God has done. That's why we're going through it. Uh, how incredible the work He has done in you is. And how much power you actually have residing in you. And why he is going to exclaim at one point, Behold what manner of love is, is that we should be called the sons, the daughters, the children of God. Actually he says sons of God. Do you know why sons? He wasn't discriminating against the ladies. Because we all have the son in us. And God sees all of us as sons. Isn't that incredible? Yep. That, yeah, anyway. Alright, back to this. Back to this. So... Number one, we're getting into William Hendrickson's um, comment here, which is awesome. He says, sin unforgiven is Satan's best friend and man's chief enemy. And by saying, forgiven are your sins, Jesus had not only lifted a burden from the soul of this sin-burdened sufferer, but had also proclaimed that the cleansing of the soul was even more important than the healing of the body. It's really interesting, isn't it? You see, that is something else that we need to be aware of. You know, when we're praying for people, and I don't mean just in a prayer line, just in our prayer closet, yeah, when we're praying over people, just be aware when you're praying for people. You know, they might say they've got problems in their life and things are going wrong, and sometimes we try to address the branches but not the root. Do you understand? Sometimes we need to go and ask God, where are these branches coming from? What's at the root of all of this? And you might be surprised. And can I just say this? If God reveals something to you, I have two words. I don't know. I think they're two words, depending on which dictionary you look at. Shut up. <laughs> okay? All right? <laughs> don't go tell everybody stuff. Okay? Just, you, we all need to just hush. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, how would you like people telling everybody about your stuff? That's why you never go up for prayer. No. <laughs> okay? But I'm just telling you, you know, if somebody has the courage just to ask you for prayer, we really, it's a thing we do and we have to stop. It is a thing we do. We don't even realize we're doing it. And we do it all the time. I'll, I'll guarantee everybody that's saying yes right now has done this. And we'll do it tomorrow. No, don't do it tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> learn and grow. We do this. We learn something about someone and we want to judge straight away. Now it sounds terrible when I say it, but you do it. You think, oh, can you believe that they... Wah, 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 wah. And then like Charlie Brown. <laughs> okay. It's important when people reveal things to you, keep your mouth. Mm. Okay. Because your job is to take that to God and work out where this is coming from. Take care of it and then don't boast to anybody about it. When it solves itself and things are working well, shh, shut up again. Because we want to tell somebody, don't. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Okay, moving on. Like I said, we're going to spend time on this and we're going to learn things. Okay, is that all right? Okay. So, he says again, by saying, forgiven are your sins, Jesus had not only lifted a burden off this, the soul of this sin-burdened sufferer, but also had proclaimed the cleansing of the soul. The cleansing of the soul. We miss that a lot of times. We are looking for the healing of the body. But sometimes the people that are out there, and the reason that they are in the, 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 the predicament that they're in is because their soul, there's a darkness over their soul. Do you understand? And you, we need to somehow find a way to rid them of that darkness. Because when they come to the light, see that's what John talks about, about coming into the light. When that darkness lifts and the light comes in, it's amazing how when your attitude changes and what's inside of you changes, the outside begins to change. No, not always. And don't say that you know, this, is, this is the answer to everything. But you know, at least, even the difficulties that you're facing on the outside, if, you, if your heart and your soul is good and strong, then you can face what's on the outside. It's not that you're going to live a uh, trouble-free life. You just have the strength, the energy, whatever it takes to fight the thing. Amen? And not crumble in the middle of the fight. Okay. So again, he says, also proclaimed that the cleansing of the soul was even more important than the healing of the body. This statement would have been especially important to this man because as John MacArthur explains, many Jews, now listen to this, many Jews in that day believed... That all disease and affliction was a direct result of one's sin. Many Jews today believe that too. That may not be Jews. <laughs> okay? <laughs> when something goes wrong, people go, what did you do wrong? Uh, you know, it's the first thing that we think of. What did you do? So, I won't say anything more about that. This paralytic, I don't think I need to say anything more. This paralytic may have believed that as well. Now see, this is where the problem begins. So one thing for everybody else to think about, if you're thinking it, you're the one that needs prayer, and you're thinking this, then we've got a problem. Because it doesn't matter how much faith I have, if you don't know... Let, let me deal with this very quickly. There are some people that you look at them and you think they need prayer, and you go there with the faith to move a mountain, and the mountain doesn't move. And you think, what's going on, God? Can I just say this? Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, people on the inside, as much as they ask for prayer, are thinking, I don't deserve to be delivered from this. Do you hear me? When you run into that problem, you've got a problem. Because there's one thing that is sovereign even above God. <gasps> Blasphemy. No, it's the truth. Your will. Because if it wasn't, he would just, once Jesus died on the cross, he would have forced, I would have, forced everybody to get saved. Wouldn't you? After that horrific death, and the price was paid for all mankind, I'd have gone, I don't care. I don't give, whatever, uh, colorful metaphor. What do you think? You're getting saved. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, forget about it. Yeah, but I shut up. That would have been me. But can, <laughs> listen, man. Listen. <laughs> yeah, listen. Your will can override all of that and say no. And God will go, oh, okay. Stupid, but okay. I'm not going to force you. 
Amen? You might think, well, gee whiz, why, why should we pray for anybody? Uh, because <laughs> God does something very interesting then. As you start praying for people, okay, and, and uh, I'm going to use a reverse uh, picture. I usually use this for the devil trying to get people into hell. But let's say God's trying to get you into heaven, okay? All right? What, what your prayers does is that as much as they're trying to stay away from heaven, okay, as you start praying, it's like God gets an angel to go pray, spray WD-40 all along your path, and I mean one slip and you're in. You go, how did this happen? And why don't I like doing that bad stuff anymore? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. One guy got saved. He said, you know, he came up to the preacher and said, if I get saved, well, can I still do all this stuff? He goes, dude, it's up to you. Your salvation is between you and God and whatever. He goes, well, fine, all right, then just for the sake of my wife, because she dragged me here, I'll get saved. So he gets saved, and then he comes back about six weeks later and says, I have a bone to pick with you. He goes, what? He said, you never said after I got saved, I wouldn't want to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> okay, all right. That should, that is what should happen. Okay, all right, okay. But there is a thing that we just don't get delivered from everything. Amen? There are things that, okay, might, might sort of dog us for a little while. Um, I'm coming to the end of this, aren't I? All right. Are you getting something out of this? I'm, I'm, I'm going all over the place, but I hope, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with some practical things here. Um, and, and then it's helping. Okay. Can we take a break and come back? Let's, let's stop here. We'll come back and then we'll talk about this man's sin being forgiven. All right? And all the things that relate to that. Take a break and we'll come back in just a moment.